The A-team officiating camp will be May the 5th, 6th, and 7th, and we will also bring in replay this year and clinicians from the NFL, the FBS, the FCS, and Division II level conferences. I want to throw out too much just yet. The A-team officiating camp website is at ateamofficiating.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Unofficial Lounge. We are joined today by Mr. Brennan Davis. We actually spoke to his father a couple times, Mr. Jerry Davis, famous Kentucky football player, of course. But we are here to talk about him, about his early life and playing football and continuing on with that. And then now is in the world of writing for movies, TV shows, productions. We are happy to have him on the show. Welcome, Brennan Davis. Thanks for having me, fellas. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We had some great conversations with your dad, so I'm sure there's probably some insight that we can uh, ask you about as well. But starting with you, uh, we talked before coming on the show, and you went to Stanford and played ball at Stanford, huh? Yes, yes, many moons ago. I'll tell you how long ago it was. We played in a bowl game. And it was called the Blockbuster Bowl. Wasn't <laughs> that in Florida? Yeah, it was in the in the in the Dol- Miami Dolphin Stadium. Yeah, Joe Roby or whatever. It yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That was one of the first new bowls. I remember that. Yeah, that yeah, I was, yeah. That's <laughs> one of the first. Yeah. Right. Didn't they play that bowl the first time in Japan? Wasn't it? Was that Blockbuster Bowl in Japan? Then it came to Miami. I'm not sure, man. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Who did you guys play? Uh, we played Penn State. We uh, that's back when they had. Um, I think they had Kerry Collins and uh, OJ McDuffie. Um, so yeah, it was cool. So again, you know, being that your dad went through his hardships in college, what what was the hard hardest thing you had to go through in in those off season practices? Um, probably getting dressed to go out. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was a. Uh, we had a, it was a lot, a lot. Yeah. Listen to those horror stories, man. It was, uh, it was, I was lucky. It was easy, man. It was, it was not, it was not hard like that. So Wait, what's the story yeah. that, uh, from you that sticks out, uh, that your dad has told you, what's one of the stories that really sticks out that you were, or, or that you've heard a hundred times. <laughs> it might be his, when his buddy, Mike Cassidy punched the coach yeah, during yeah. practice and then stayed on the team and got the starting job. I, that's just my yeah absolutely yeah crazy yeah the, I, I'm, I'm still shocked at the administration of like okay this coach is psycho and he still is coaching kids yeah a psycho absolutely man it's crazy crazy and, yeah. and then to list, look at you you go from Den- your, your head your first coach when you get recruited you said was denny green and so how was that experience oh man denny green man he was he was great man he was awesome i, I love that guy man he was really just a good dude. We called him, uh, I don't know if we should say that. Well, we called him Chub Rock. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Chub Rock. <laughs> the Chubster? He was the Chubster. <laughs> the Chubster. Y'all didn't call him that in his face, right? right? No, up no, on the no, scene. <laughs> Treat him right. Treat him right, baby. But it was all, it was all in fun, though, because he was all, he was great, man. Everybody loved him. And, and, well, hold uh, on. You caught him Chub Rock to his face? No, never. No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> we, called him, we called him Coach Green, Mr. Sir. Uh, yeah, 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 Mr. Sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, nah, he was, dude, he was the best. He was really just a play, like a player's kind of coach, you know? 
um, but a straight shooter. He was knew, knew every X's and O's, but he was a, a good guy, you know, and he cared about you. Um, and we were sad to, to see him go. He, after our, our my freshman year, he um, went on to the Minnesota Vikings. So I only had a year with him, but I wish I had more. But then, but then you, you have Danny Green at first, and then you follow that up with a, a coaching legend. I mean, one of the coaching tree greats of all times and, and Bill Walsh. How was that? Yeah, that was wild. So there was a lot of, yeah, it was interesting. So our defensive coordinator at the time was a guy named Willie Shaw who ended up, um, he coached a lot in the pros and um, his son is uh, David Shaw, who's coaching at Stanford now. I was, I thought oh, that's, there you go. I thought that's who that was. That's David Shaw's dad. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and David, uh, David Shaw was, uh, was a uh, wide receiver on, on the squad with me too. So I've known him for a long, long time, but um, we all thought that Willie Shaw was just going to take over and everybody was excited about that. Cause you know, keeping that continuity going and, and coach Shaw that he was like a defensive genius coach. Um, but Bill Walsh threw his name in the hat kind of last minute, like, you know, and who's going to say no. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the administration was like, yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah. So him coming in was, was kind of wild because that was like shortly after, you know, all the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice days. And so it was a lot of excitement at the time. So. So before your career at Stanford, you had a pretty strong basketball career and football career in uh, Northern California, right? In high school? Yeah, I was, uh, I was lucky to, um, at the time, I, I come from a, a town called Merced, which is, you know, I don't know, people probably never heard of it, but really small, you know, at the time, maybe 65,000 people there in, in the city, but we only had one high school, so... We had, I had like 850 people in my high, my senior class. We had, I think we had almost 6,000 students. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was like a lot of talent. We had almost like a hundred kids on the team, but so, so you take a school like that where you get so, so many, such a big talent pool. We ended up having a lot of, a lot of great players. We had a lot of D1 guys my year, my two years, um, you know, guys went to SC, Washington state, you know, I got lucky and got 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 to Stanford. So we had a lot of great, great talent. Um, and our coach was awesome, too. A coach named Mark Speckman. He's a coach now at UC Davis. But um, really, really inspirational dude. He was actually born without hands. Born without Whoa. hands. Yeah, slow Whoa. down. <laughs> yeah. Now, this dude, this guy is one of the most inspirational guys you will ever talk to. He um, born without hands and his parents were like, we're not going to treat him any different. So his mom would give him a broom and say, okay, sweep the kitchen. And he'd be like, what? And she's like, yeah, sweep the kitchen. And so made him figure things out. And when I tell you he could throw, a, he can throw a, you know, 40 yard spiral. He can, you know, text message. He write on the chalkboard. He'd do anything, anything that, that I could do. He ended up playing um, linebacker in college. Um, and, and anyway, he was he was an awesome coach. So wow. he he ended up um, getting us to, you know, we were like 28 and 0 my junior and senior year. So, so would you actually run through walls for him? I I would <laughs> I would chop down. I, I would be like um, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I would I would 
pink through the wall. Chip it away. <laughs> You'll chip it away. <laughs> You'll chip a hole away behind a picture. That's yeah. the yeah. <laughs> that. But to say that's inspirational, man, I, I just to, to think how terribly I type, man, to, that is awesome. Man. Yeah, no, he was great. Super great. But hold up, though. So you get into the inspirational stuff. I'm going back to the CD late 90s, early 90s of recruiting. You know what I'm saying? You had unlimited recruiting trips and you yeah, go anywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I got Arizona State was 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 in, interested a lot. Harvard was interested. Um, those are the two. Uh, big you had the born trips then. Arizona State <laughs> sounds like a good time. I've been. He, there I wish. he had yeah. the, he nah. had the uh, educational trips. Yeah, exactly. I wish I'd, I'd have been to the Uncle Luke uh, uh, Miami Hurricanes trips, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't cut. I didn't cut. Cut the mustard to, to get invited there. But um, yeah, that would have been. That would have been the right time to take a Miami trip. That's for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you you would have got a different experience than uh, your recruiting trip to Stanford, huh? No, and I would probably would have gone there too. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I, I didn't. I didn't get recruited there. So the CFL. You went out there and played a little bit. Yeah, that was weird, man. Um, my contract back then, it was like, I think it was like $46,000, you know, and I signed like, oh, I'm super excited, but right, right. it was Canadian dollars. So the real dollars was, it was like three-fourths that. So it was like oh. 2000 or something. Oh, wow. Um, and what's in Ottawa? They have Ottawa? a ball. They have a ball. That's it. Yeah. I would so- I wasn't there. That, I wasn't there that long. They um they have a rule, and you guys probably know this, but you have to have a certain amount of Canadians on the squad, mm, right? So, and there, there's some good Canadian players, absolutely, but you know some of them weren't that hot. But they had to keep those guys just to hit their hit their numbers because like they would want an American quarterback, so that's one of the slots for, and they would call them foreigners or whatever. So right, right. I ended up I, I ended up getting cut. I think if I was Canadian, I I, I would have been an all pro. But, oh wow! There you go. I don't know about that, but you know what I mean. Like, right? You would have, you would have had a, you would have had a playing career. Sure. Longer yeah. in absolutely right. Yeah, I that even, makes sense though. Yeah, at the time, and I'm, I didn't do it because um, I was stupid then. But when I got cut, I was like, when I have a child, I'm gonna drive my wife over the border so we can have the baby in Canada. Get that Canada and sure. When he gets older. He's gonna, you know. Right there in the CFL, he'll have a career. <laughs> you would hold up. You was <laughs> thinking, wishing the CFL on your firstborn male if it happened. I, well, I that's kind of low. I, I thought you were going a whole different area. I thought you yeah. were trying to get that Canadian healthcare. <laughs> I'm a wish. Now I'm trying. He yeah. said that was the backup plan, y'all. Y'all didn't hear the first part. That was the backup plan. I'm, disapp- if, if the I'm NFL disappointed. Did, that's- if the NFL didn't come through for his firstborn, it was Whoa. the CFL. Trayvon, and he was locked you. in because he was Canadian. Thank so he, he was going to have to get a roster spot. That's it. He already had daddy jeans, so he knew he was going to be good enough to make the CFL. Come on Whoa. now. I had Y'all already moved. I had already moved to the healthcare system. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah, that was a lot of reading between the lines, right there. Man, I didn't see that. Canadian. Oh, I don't know how the heck hey, you got get... from sports to healthcare, but anyway, yeah. Monty, you know, we, so, we won't we won't get on you too hard tonight. So there was no app back in the day on that that um, tran- um, 
you know what I'm saying? Money transfer, you know what I'm saying? When you said your salary, understanding your salary, right? No, no, and I, I obviously didn't read the contract like I should have. I was just I was just happy to sign it. So it and didn't matter. Canadian, so and the Canadian cut. taxes are terrible. That's why they have good health care, probably. Right. <laughs> yep. See, see, it all comes back. It all comes back around. <laughs> so you play with these great coaches, you're under these great coaches. So what were some of your takeaways that you got? you learned while in college from those coaches from both Bill Walsh and Danny Green? Um, you know what, man, I, the, the big lesson I learned and I, and a lot of people learn it a lot earlier than I did. So I was blessed that I didn't learn it till then, but you really, I really learned about politics and I don't know if you guys went through this playing football or whatever, but um, the, the guy you get recruited from loves you. And then if, when he leaves, then the new guy comes in and he loves the people that he recruited and he don't, you know, and I, sure. from what I hear, Denny did the same thing when he was first coach. And um, so Walsh kind of was that kind of guy too. And um, coming from the pros, you can start a rookie in the pros because the rookies coming into the pros are, you know, 23, 24 battle tested and all that. But coach Walsh, he would like to play a lot of freshmen who a lot of them grew into being great players, but at the time, some of them, um, you know, they were green. And I think that, that's, that was kind of what I learned. Um, it's not always about politics. It. Yeah. Right. It's not always about what it should be about. And sometimes it's about some of those things, but yeah. Um, yeah. I have a couple of friends, kids that have been getting recruited over the years and I tell them, that's the biggest thing of, you know, you have a relationship with the person that's recruiting you, but yeah. what happens if that person leaves, if they get fired or they get a better job, you know, are you still going to be taken care of? And when it comes to playing time it's you know, getting your scholarships and stuff taken away, is not like it used to be back in a day, but you know, the playing time aspect that running backs coach all of a sudden gets a job as an offense coordinator, in another school, and he recruited you. Now what? Yeah, no, you exactly. Know? And you could get lucky, like, like Coach Willingham came in after Bill Walsh, and from what I hear, he was a uh, real straight, real fair, like best player plays. So I guess it all just kind of depends on who you get. But I, it's I would luck totally of the draw agree. a little bit. Sounds like based, based yeah, on who gets hired, it's luck of the draw. Yeah, big time. But like, yeah, like when you're getting recruited, or um, it is good to kind of consider how long has this person been at this school? Are they going to get fired or they're going to move on? Like you said, so mm -hmm. consideration, especially yeah, college coaches. Uh, I think that's the strategy they're doing with Harbaugh right now because he got his extension. Because I, I think Michigan didn't want to uh, start trying to recruit with uh, someone like a lame duck. You know? Yeah, that's, that's probably why they extended him. Yeah. Yeah, you he can't. You, right, yeah. <laughs> and he cut half of his salary. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard they, to go They started giving him Canadian four. dollars. Right. Uh, right, right. <laughs> that contract went from almost a $9 million contract to a $4 million contract. But um, then, then he got less of assistance go too. So, so right. That, yeah, that's the CD side. But again, you're a Stanford graduate. 
I would have just left at that, but you chose to play football. Like I'll understand that. <laughs> wait, like, wait, wait. Not not just chose to play football. Wait, wait, wait. He went to the CFL and then you did the ultimate craze thing that you don't see too many Sanford grads do and go play arena. But it was like 85 arena school football <laughs> leagues back then. So I understand chasing the money, but all, all right. money ain't good money, right? Okay. All right. When we t- <laughs> so so you told us what you got from, from CFL. What was your first arena football contract? Oh man, that that was a wild situation, man. That was like it was like eight hundred bucks a game. But in Tampa Bay, though, you got two hundred bucks. So hold on, wait, 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 wait. You got eight hundred bucks a game, but you only put two hundred dollars in your pocket. Oh no, no, no! If you won the game, they gave you a two hundred dollar bonus. Oh, okay, okay. I was about to say, man, your agent was getting you. Oh no, that was. But um, well, yeah, that's like strippers. Yeah, yeah, they just gave you tip money. <laughs> Essentially, that's what he was playing for. Hey, here you go, good win, baby. Hey, there hey, wasn't even big face go, hundreds back go, then. It was go. regular face hundreds. There was regular face hundreds he was playing. <laughs> Man, yeah, but that is true. What what made you chase that? Man, I don't know, man. It's probably a bad idea at the time, but it, when you're playing ball and you guys play ball, but it's like you're in it and you love it. You just love playing ball, you know, and I didn't really know what else to do. And I just wanted to keep playing, you know, I, I got the uh, arena gig because I was um, I was living in L.A. and I would go to the field and do one on ones with this cat, uh, Vince Evans. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He played, uh, he uh, played there. For the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. In the Raiders. Yeah. 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 OK. Yeah. He was a smooth dude, man. It's funny. At the time, he was like 41, and I was like, this old-ass dude is still out here balling. But he was balling, right? He'd pull up in his in his bins, and he was, he was cool. But um, some of those cats, I was working out with some Raider dudes down there, and they told the arena team about me, and that's how I ended up getting that opportunity. But, it's all about who you know. Always about who you know. Yeah. So so how many years at arena, or how many games in arena that you realize, uh, this ain't for me? Oh, yeah, I was uh, two games in. Well, let me tell you this, though. Let me tell you this. The first practice. No, no. The first practice, it was a, the coach was named Coach Markham. And our fir- they had won the whole arena football title the previous year, right? And so I learned later that the corners, because I play corner, the corners were holding out because they weren't going to go to preseason practice. So I found out later I was just kind of a filler dude until the vets uh... came back. Anyway. My first practice there, one of the dudes, uh, one of the dudes from the previous season had never gotten his ring, his championship ring. So this dude, walk, we're in the middle of practice. This dude is not on the team anymore. Civilian clothes walks onto the field and starts wrestling with the coach, takes him down. And this is an old man. He looked like Boss Hawk from the Dukes of Hazard, white hair. Takes him down in a headlock and was trying to rip the ring off this dude's finger. And I, this is when I knew what kind of a- You ain't uh, want it bad enough. You ain't want it bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But all the players just sit, sit there and watched. I was like, no one's going to help this 65-year-old dude? They said, no, that's Jujun from the block. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I'm good. They, they were not trying to get involved in that scrap. And I was like, okay, the team does not really like this coach. Uh, and I don't want an arena football ring that bad where I'm going to assault this. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But no, my, after my second game, we were playing the Orlando Predators, and uh, I was guarding this guy, and uh, my shoulder almost came out the socket, and um, I had ripped my both shoulders out the sockets in college and got surgery, so I had screws in them. So that, and they didn't really have healthcare. You're on your own healthcare in arena football. So I was like, what's gonna happen if this arm comes out with a screw in it? And it just didn't seem like I was making smart decisions. That's when you used your Stanford education. <laughs> finally. That's when it, it finally <laughs> done then. Like, <laughs> let me pull out this Rolodex real quick. <laughs> hey, like, hey, hey. <laughs> you know? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. How about he pulled it out and said, I need a doctor. Where did doctors come from? That's funny. So yeah, uh, that, was, that was it. What'd you end up doing after this? So you you stopped playing arena football with the storm uh, Tampa Bay. Well, how, but how was Tampa Bay though? That had to be a nice little city. It was in the nineties. The nineties. It was in the nineties. Ebor City was was on and, and and popping like they used to say in the nineties. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was cool, man. It was it was good. There was a lot of good dudes, man. I played uh, with a cat who had played at LSU and. Another dude from Florida. And that honestly, that was kind of fun to play with those guys because, you know, coming from the Pac-10, it was a Pac-10 back then. Right. Um, you don't know. You always see LSU and all these SEC schools like, oh, these dudes are ballers. But then, you know, I got the chance to play with them and I was like, I can hang with these dudes. So awesome. yeah. that was cool. But So um, after this, your shoulder pops out. What do you end up doing after that? What, what, what does, where does Stanford take you? It took me to substitute teaching in South Central LA. Um, like another man, bad decision on, on your staff for education. <laughs> hey, come on, give him a little bit. Don't, come on, don't applaud that. that. Hey, this in the noble. 90s. He had to get hazard pay. <laughs> he crazy. Like, no hold up, bro. I hear a lot of things about staff for education. And that what you did is noble, but that ain't smart. Hey, you know what it's about when he noble. still called it South Central. Right, he saw Doughboy and Ricky. That red Jetta pulled up, and I was like, "Hey, look, Chris! Hey, look, Chris! Get on the porch, Chris! Get on the porch." So, how many Jerry curls did you see as a as a team? No, you'd have to go to each desk after after the bell rang with with the tissue and wipe up the escrow sheet. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so hold on, hold on. Let's stop. LA not, was your second home. Wait, wait, wait. Let's not jump past this. See what? What was your strangest or best experience as a substitute teacher? Oh man, um, I, I the pistol there was, whip. There was, there was a drive by <laughs> once. There was a. Man, that was a wild man. That's a whole nother interview, but it was wild, man. The first, my first, um, my first day, this girl came up to ask for a bathroom pass. You guys will like this story. And she says, um, Chantel was her name. I won't say her last name just in case. Uh, she said, Can I have a bathroom pass? And I was like, No, it's against the rules. You got to wait till the uh, bell rings. These kids would just go and wander and, you know, do all kinds of stuff. Um, so I'm like, you got to go sit down, you know? And she's like, I really have to go. I'm like, look, I'm not supposed, I'm, I'm not going to break the rules. You know, she urinates on the floor. It's just standing there at the desk. You hear it just the pee just hitting the floor. <laughs> and she's looking at you like, I told you <laughs> I had to go. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, <laughs> man, 
And that should have been the moment that you I left the parking lot and drove off. But I, I stuck around, man. I, How long did you stick around? I don't even want to tell you. It was uh, five I had years. five concussions. <laughs> I had five concussions in college. Oh, this this is CTE related. This, this is CTE. Is, yeah. related. Okay, okay. Yeah. This is these CTE decisions. Related. There's something okay. behind me. I think. I think these decisions are based upon your dad didn't quit, so you was like, I'm gonna have to stick it out. Cause I can't tell my dad a girl urinated and all he went to <laughs> in high school and he fought in the Vietnam War. This is nothing compares in comparison to him. This, right? is, nothing. this is nothing. Yeah, it is. He like, got shot at in so, an airplane. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he got shot. You just got shot at going to work. It's the same thing, right? This is different area code. That was all. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how long did you end up staying there? No, I was I was a sub there, and I ended up teaching there. But all 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 along, I was you know working my side hustle, so trying to get in the writing game. Okay. Um, okay. So you didn't try to be a coach, being that you, it still was an itch in you. You didn't try to be a coach or try to do official anything football. Man, there's sport, always official related. There is that. You know what happened? I, um, when I was a senior, me and that guy I mentioned, Kevin, I played ball with a, a, a guy. He was a year ahead of me, but uh, named Kevin Garnett. And um, Not the tall one. Not the tall one. But it's funny. I, we lived together. This one we, went to Stanford. He went to Stanford, <laughs> yeah. He played free safety. And um, he would get letters uh, every once in a while at, our, at, the, at, the, at the place where we lived. And they would think he was the real Kevin Garnett. It was just these random people asking for money, like telling their stories. I just got out of jail. I really need $200,000. And it was, it was really funny. It works. Yeah, it never, it never worked because this okay. wasn't the right Kevin Garnett. But how did Kevin get into writing? His brother, we played with his brother too, the guy named Dave Garnett, who played for the Vikings, linebacker, really, really, really good dude. Um, but anyway, he married. A girl out of Stanford, Tracy Sylvester, great, great girl, um, who's a doctor now. Her dad is Harold Sylvester, who played Griff on uh, Married with Children, uh, worked in the, the shoe store with him. Um, really good dude, really smart guy. He was a writer as well. He wrote a movie called Passing Glory about his time playing basketball um, in the segregated South um that was on tnt but um he also i think he was a writer on hill street blues he really really talented guy but anyway he kind of mentored kevin and i and got us kind of writing and scripts and showing us how to do it so that's how we kind of got started so we, we talk a lot on the show it field of life what was the biggest thing that you took from him as a they got him out the classroom. Right, that too. <laughs> got him from getting shot at. But, 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 but what's, what's the biggest thing that you took from him that you think you still use today? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I don't, that's a good question. I think he, because um, he, he was a fantastic basketball player for, for Tulane, like a big time, big time athlete. When he finished college, he started acting in the theater, like a really smart guy. I don't know if that's what I took most from him, but I, I was kind of inspired by him and the fact that he was a, a athlete and, you know, everyone thinks dumb jocks and that sort of thing, but he was able to transition to something where he was really using his brain and his creativity. So 
I think that would probably be what I took from. Harold. So how long after meeting Griff? I, I, I forgot his name. Now, now you, I saw the Married with Children, and Griff's just stuck with me. <laughs> How long after meeting Griff did you start your own writing career? Because you started writing for uh, LeBron's actual marketing campaign. So, man, you skipping steps because LeBron well, and Griff. Yeah, how so do we get there? They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, how that happened was, yeah, the Hollywood game is real wild, man. It's uh, it's. It's hard to get into, and it's 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 real political, and I'm sure you guys know. And we call just, it officiating. It's just different. <laughs> <laughs> it's, right. a, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's like who's who do you know? Who's in control? And for you, I think it's more about who has the budget at the time, right? Not just the influence of what's going on. It's hey, this person can have a big name, but if they don't have no projects going on, it's no good for you. But if it's somebody that you know yeah. you're connected to and they got a big production budget, bam, you, you're ready to go. Yeah, that's funny. Like, I not I never even thought about, about that in terms of, like, the official game. But I'm sure you guys watch games all the time and you, you're looking at the official and it's probably – it could be the Super Bowl and you're, you're looking like, this dude, like, I could do that. Like, and you could, you know. And it's right. just only so many jobs and it's kind of how do you get in and who do you know that's going to hook you up. That's I mean, that's how – I'm sure a lot of things are like that, but that's life. It's a lot right? of fails. Yeah, it's a lot of failed stories, busting tables, and uh, being waiters in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? So people, everybody, come out here just to to make it, and yeah. be that you would you got that that one shot. Uh, because I'm pretty sure if if I'd have showed up my first day on the job and the girl used urinates in front of me, <laughs> I'm looking for the exit. Right, I'm gone. You know what I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. Yeah. And so then you had to stick it out because you had to eat. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you know how that, was that first? What was the first? So how was, was first that first? Right first yeah, oh, how was that first job to let you know, like, hey, I'm out. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm gonna step out the way. I'm about to shoot them the deuces. So teaching. I got a gig. I got a gig. Uh, Kevin and I got a gig writing, um, writing some uh, webisodes for Snickers and the and the Black Eyed Peas. It was like a week. So Brandon, can I do one thing? Hey, you got we we never hit the button before. So we should have hit it. I, I with. tried to I tried to slow roll this, but <laughs> just keep dropping these names. You know, <laughs> he's a true so writer, he, gentlemen. He's a true writer. He's a he's, true writer. He, he takes so, you know he take, he's in the background. You know, unlike you two, <laughs> you know. This is where you going for that that two th twenty five hundred. I'm at that twenty five square foot studio apartment to where you get the real money right so that's another thing about the game i'll, I'll, I'll tell you uh, you probably know uh that is good money man when you when you when you're doing those kind of gigs but the the gig is only going to last like a couple weeks or a month and you got to try uh -huh. to live and stretch that until you get the next hustle gig right, right. so it's 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 wild man a lot of people there's people who make big big money doing it but then there's a lot of people who are like you know, like I said, you make a you you work on a show, say, and then you don't work for two more years. Then you get another show, so you know. But yeah, while while you're working, wow. it's, it's great. L let me ask the question in a different way. Like uh, Ashanti said, when was the moment in writing where you said, "Okay, this is what I'm doing"? You know, the teaching's gone, football's gone, writing is what I'm doing. What is that moment in time that's just like, "Okay, writing is what my career." 
you know what? I just had to quit and I just had to go for it. I had to just put more time into it. It wasn't like, oh, I got this magical gig. Now I'm, I'm rich. Like that didn't happen. It was more like, like I got, I was still teaching when I got the, the Black Eyed Peas gig with Kevin. And then we did a good job on that. And then the Nike people saw it and then pulled us in to write some. To write some LeBron James commercials. And then that was cool. At that point, I was like, okay, I, did, I just need to quit teaching and try to focus and try to hustle more than what I was doing, you know? How finicky is the public, though? Because you, you, you're you basically trying to reach an audience of, of a certain demographic, a certain uh, style. But how often do you miss? I never miss. Hold up, man. No, no, Brandon. No, 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 Brandon, no, no, I'm gonna ask. Brandon, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a question that me and Ashanti want to know because you work for Nike. What sneakers did they offer you? Yeah, that's the best package. You know, that. what's? I mean, you, what sneakers? Did, did, did you, you get, get a discount? Crazy, did they get some crazy Jordans what? or something? Man, I, you know what? They they flew us up to uh to the to Oregon to the they call it the campus, the Nike campus, right? And uh, wow. you got to see all the like they have like a it's almost like a Hall of Fame of Jordan with all the Jordans and the cases right, right. and stuff. And um, this was kind of funny. They they put us at a table and we had to read kind of what we came up with. Right. Like our script that we came up with. Just, we we're trying to get the job still. And um, the, they sat LeBron like right in front of me on the opposite side of the table. And I had to read and I was reading Le, the LeBron part. So I had to read. But LeBron yeah, was as there. LeBron. Yeah. What voice not- did you use? Let me hear this voice. <laughs> what commercial, LeBron commercial was this? Let me hear your LeBron voice. <laughs> it was a Porky Pig voice. I was like, <laughs> I was a little nervous, but um, but it ended up cool, man. It ended up right. real cool. They, this shoot was really fun. They took us up to. Um, they shot at uh, Frank Sinatra's old house up in the Hollywood Hills, and they um, they had him jumping off a diving board in the in the in the commercial but um he had to do all these flips so of course they're gonna get a stunt guy right but for whatever reason the casting director couldn't get a brother who could do all these greg luganis olympic dives i mean i'm sure makes sense I'm sure that I guy know, exists somewhere i don't but, know no too many black divers but, yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they got a white dude but he had to be lebron so they legit put him in blackface and he would Ooh. dive and, and after every dive, they gotta make like, him up again. that to redo the makeup. Yeah, redo the makeup. Oh so, goodness! It was, it was like four more hours. We gotta sit there and, and do the makeup again. Hey, uh, you know there's things called computers where you can do that in post. <laughs> hey, but we talking, we talking. You know, hell, eighteen years ago now. I mean, it's you know, yeah, different times. That's that right, technology that's right. wasn't that simple back then. Eighteen right. years ago, that's true. It was easier to paint him black. I was hoping that you, <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, I was, hey, Brandon, oh, I was man. hoping you was going to say you was part of that Nike campaign when they had the little puppets between Kobe and LeBron, because that was some funny stuff. I enjoyed those. I remember those puppet ones. From that was Nike. funny. No, these, these ones were the ones where he was playing a different part. So he played an old man. Training in a pool. Baby, we can go anytime. You just let me know what's good for you. You can't get through Detroit training in no pool. You, you think Michael training in the pool? No, I don't think so. Stop looking at my lemonade. Here I come, cannonball. 
Oh, see, he played the little kid. They had technology. You better quit that. (laughs) (laughs) They put his face on a little kid. On a little guy. Yeah, Yeah. they did. That's true. You know how long it probably took them to figure that out? So you're (laughs) doing these Nike commercials. So now... Is and they next? still didn't give you no gear. You can yeah. ask this question, Monty, but me and Ashante upset over the gear. Yeah, I mean, we, just, we ain't oh, get no know, gear. Like, you know, you. I, I do have to say some Jordan Eleven Thirteens. Those Jordan cleats that they wearing these days are fresh. I gotta do. I gotta say that. Yeah. Um. So you, you start doing these Nike commercials. Next, is it next that you start working with the King Tyler Perry? I think that was my next. Man, your time right. frame ain't even right, but <laughs> well, but think about it. He's got gaps because you figure he's you sell something, and then next you're going to two years later, a year later, then you get something. It's not so like it's coming. You said you did that commercial in Georgia, yet. though, right? No, the, the those commercials were in L.A. Um, yeah, like, Frank okay. Sinatra's house. The Tyler Perry, okay. um, Tyler Perry gig was. Uh, yeah, they flew me out to Atlanta and uh, they would put up the writers in a real nice spot, a little Marriott. Um, it was cool. It was real nice. Um, nice. And that's, you're working on a show called Assisted Living. Yeah, the, I, I'd worked with Tyler uh, Perry um, before this um, on a different show. And then just right now, I, I'm, I'm working with him again on a new show. Um, so... I, I won't, not to cut you off, but I won't say where I ran it. I ran into a person that works with Tyler Perry. Um, and she was explaining about how that campus is and the studios and everything that he has down there in Georgia. So is that where you're working at? Are, are you going there to work at his studios when you work with him now? That was what it was then, but because of okay. COVID, because of gotcha. uh, COVID, we're doing everything on Zoom. So... Yeah, I'm just doing it right here. Um, Man, you can't beat that. Yeah, that's a. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, let I, me I, ask. COVID happened. COVID is a horrible, horrible thing. But. Let me ask you another question though. With working with Tyler Perry, because we talk about a guy that's, I mean, super creative. I mean, his all that he's done in his career between plays, movies, TV, you name it. How is it for you being a writer, being able to? work with somebody like that yeah you're right man he um he's yeah he does it all and his advice has always been to us as writers to focus on one thing first and get really good at that one thing and then when you get success then branch out because a lot of people myself included um you know i want to write commercials i want to write movies i want to write tv and you know do everything and what you know how he did it and how, what he says advice wise is, yeah, just pick one. Like he started, as you probably know, with plays. Stage shows, right. Stage shows. Really doing stage plays and got really good at that and got, and built a big, big audience. And then at that point he was able to transfer that audience to TV and movies and stuff. He didn't come out out the gate like, I'm going to write movies. I'm going to do all this stuff. I think that's called, he got good at making those efficient. And 
money making opportunities. <laughs> I mean, he, he supports a whole TV network. That's now, right. In, in a That's sense, right. right? I mean, all his shows is on one TV network. He went from one TV network, moved on to the other one, and it's just crazy. Oh man, it's it's wild. He's he's even he's even uh, extending out beyond that. He's got a show now on Nickelodeon, like a, a kids show as well. So a lot of his shows, like the one I'm writing on, is a BET show, and uh, a lot of the other ones are BET. But I think this is the first time he's he's done that where he's working with Nickelodeon. Uh, can we say what shows they are? The Nickelodeon show? Um, no, no, the BET shows you're working on. Oh no, he's got he's got like six shows on there. I, I'm just worked on the one. Uh, so it's called assisted living. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So what do you, these days you're, you've got a, this prolific writing career to this point for me. I, uh, I, I, I'm thoroughly impressed. Uh, and plus everybody, on? and plus everybody can tell we don't have no writing here on the unofficial lounge <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, there's no script to this, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been told we need one. <laughs> but what are you working on now, Brandon? Um, so I just finished writing some of those scripts for um, for assisted living, and hoping to do more more with that camp. Um, but I'm also doing. Um, I've got a show with Kevin actually that we we developed and um, Charles Barkley jumped on board to executive produce and and so I wrote the script and um, we're kind of getting it, the script out. I say me, I'm not doing it. The production company, Charles's people and, and the guys from Slam Magazine. I don't know if you've heard of Slam Magazine, the basketball magazine it's been going for 20 years plus super popular but um a guy named aaron phillips um has just started a um a, a more of a media company in terms of like rtg features is kind of the arm of slam and they're they're, they're looking to do um sports related basketball related projects they've done um stuff with, with stefan marbury and some other Strawberry. yeah some some more documentary stuff but this is the first um, scripted uh, show that they they're bringing out. So Aaron's been amazing. Um, and this this show that you're talking about is it's called The Line. It's called The Line, yeah. And it's uh it's it's based off a book called Scandals of '51 by Charlie Rosen. Um, and Charlie's a great guy. He was just featured actually in um, the Jordan documentary. I don't know if you guys saw that. Absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. But Who they didn't see it? We were we were locked up in a house. Who didn't see it? Everybody saw that. But uh, but a Charlie actually was uh, interviewed for that. He's um, one of Phil Jackson's really really good friends, and they interviewed him about Phil. So he was on there. It was great to see him on there. He's a really good guy. Um, but anyway, he wrote this book about this scandal that happened back in the '50s with point shaving. Um, there was a college CCNY won the NCAA title and the NIT in the same year. And, um, you know, they were a school that was a public school. And, you know, they took, they had black guys and Jews on their team when a lot of other schools in the SEC, they weren't in the SEC, of course, but like Kentucky at that time was Adolph Rupp and, you know, nothing but white guys, right. a lot of racism. So this CCNY team was held up as kind of like, this is like a, the working class team of the people you know integrated when a lot of teams back then weren't most teams weren't actually um 
so it was like a big rise and a big fall because um, some of them unfortunately were point shaving and working with the mafia. And um, so, yeah, the show's all about that. And um, a lot of the racial aspects of the time too. Like I said, it's a, was an integrated team. So the, the black dudes on that team, you know, they went through a lot of things and were treated worse, um, no surprise, um, than some of their teammates and um, higher ups because they weren't white um, when they ended up getting popped or getting arrested. And um, but there's a lot of parallels too. It's, it's, it's really wild. Like back then, um, Joseph McCarthy was on the scene. Oh, uh, McCarthyism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. not Soviet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there, there are a lot of parallels to uh, the political climate and certain leaders. Man, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're and that was in 1951, and we kind of still talking about those things in uh, 2021. Exactly. Right. So, right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, what made you choose that topic to research for for a project? Um, you know, be, me and uh, Kevin and I being, you know sports guys, football guys, we're just, we were just always just interested in sports. And uh, we stumbled upon that story. And the more we read about it, you know, we'd never really heard it. They, ESPN did a, um, I believe they did a 30 for 30 on it. So yeah, just the fact that it, that it like race and sports and money and the mob, like, I love the movie Goodfellas. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't? Come on. Yeah. So this story kind of had everything, you know, it, it had, whites and blacks and the conflict and coming together and it had the sports drama and it had the mob. And um, so, yeah, that, that kind of sparked our interest and the more we looked into it. And then we talked to Charlie, we got him on the phone and he was, he's, he's a really great guy and knows so much about that era and about sports. And do you, do you think this might uh, turn into any type of series kind of like um, um, uh, where, you go to other stories of point shaving. Like I know there was one in like New Mexico, uh, uh, what was that in the 70s where those types of things happened? Do you think there'd be any uh, potential for it to- Spinoffs. Spinoffs, <laughs> yeah, spinoffs, yeah. That's what you're talking about. That's that right. big word you want to use. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Uh, no, that, that would be amazing. At the time, um, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of other schools were point shaving Absolutely, too. Absolutely, yeah. LIU was point shaven, yeah. St. John's at the time, I believe was point shaven. So a lot of other colleges. So within this series, we, we would probably explore some of these other colleges, but right. um, I love the idea of, of, of exploring other eras too. Actually the Goodfellas guy, um, Henry Hill, I don't know if you guys know this, I believe it was him and uh, the De Niro character ended up being involved in uh, the seventies in that college basketball point shaven, those same guys. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. When it comes to writing now and just the, the nature of the world that we live in with Netflix, Hulu, I mean, you have all these different companies now just looking for content. Has that helped or has that kind of taken away? Is it everybody just wants so much to where you're not getting paid what you used to get paid or it's just everybody's looking for something and it's a lot of opportunity. How has that changed since you've been in the game for a while? How has that changed it for you as a writer? That's a great question. I, I, there's, um, I think there's definitely more opportunity. Like you're saying, there's more outlets. There's more, there's more different types of media. We talked about like, even like there's podcasts. So like I'm pitching right now, um, 
a TV series idea. I had, I'm pitching it right now to a company that, that does serialized podcasts. So that's even something new that didn't exist. So like you say, you got Amazon, you got Netflix, you got all these streamers, but then you also have people doing podcasts. So yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been good. Hey, I want to take it back to something, Craven, because, you know, you said you went to school at Stanford, being at all of the many great athletes that came. Did, but did you ever think that this golfer that you went to school with would be one of the best? <laughs> no, we always knew he was uh, he was going to be something. We had no idea he was going to be what he is. And um, I got but I, some of my younger because he was a little bit younger than me. So some of my younger teammates knew him a lot better. Um you know, I would see him at parties and we would all talk. As in class. You see him in class. <laughs> He's grown. They went to Stanford. You see there was a party. Come on now. It was at the lab. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the parties at Stanford, the computer lab, you know. <laughs> right. We're streaking in the quad. Right. <laughs> So no, we yeah, we never knew. And he was young, you know, he was a young guy then too. He didn't have as much swagger as he has now. So uh no, we didn't know he was gonna be take over the world like he did. So we were all, you know, happy for him. So what would you say, uh, like you say, taking over the world, uh, the the mentorship and connections, how much do you think that has helped in your life? You know, uh, I think yeah, I don't. A lot of yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Is that what you paid for when you went to school? Is really that 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 roller decks? Well, Man, not he was uh, all scotch. Well, well no, nah, everybody pays something. Your parents got to come to every game. They come That's road trip. Every there's a cost to everything. Every, cost. Nothing's That's for free. Uh, but do you he, think his parents would have did that if he went to Marseille Hope. Community College? He That's went to right. Stanford. That was a treat for them to do it. Come on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. But do you, do you think uh, what's the – you have the degrees, you have everything else, but what would you say to kids, what's the benefit of college? What, what helps you? The benefit of, of that particular college, for me, I think uh, I would say – it's and I'm not putting myself in that group, but – it was just like, man, you in the group, you graduated. I, I don't know. There's a lot of people. Yeah, we had to stop. I went to, I, you know, I played with a lot of football in a lot of different places, but that one, like, my former teammates are like doctors and hotshot right, lawyers. Right, and, right. Um, and you just the writer. They looking at you like, man, come on, pick it up. Come on. game up. No, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would I would praise phrase uh actually differently. Being that you were rephrase it as being that you were a teacher, what did you try to help inspire those kids in that to help them propel get out that environment when you was teaching? What insight or pointers did you give them? No, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I know we were joking earlier about it. Um, but those were some good, good kids, man. And I honestly approached it as like yeah it's a paycheck but it was for me at least it was more like trying to give back because a lot of those kids did not have great home lives and did not have great opportunities so you know um it was just trying to teach them and, and trying to help them and say that you know if they could get an education and get 
graduate and, you know, get a job and they could make something of their lives. You know, it wasn't just, you know, just the block. Yeah. It wasn't just the block. Like, you know, people out there, there are people out there that care about them and want them to succeed and success isn't the new Jays, although we might disagree. Um, you know, <laughs> it could also be, you know, real success is taking care of you, your family and there you go. not going to jail, you know, that those, those kind of things. So, um, that's so I was shame thinking, that's, that's how, how, how the bar is. <laughs> hey, oh, man, it's yep. that simple people. If that's all you know and all you see, that's all you're going to try to be is yep, this. Yep, yep. Well, but that's, that's not a bad thing for anybody. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Get out your mama house is what I try to inspire kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially in LA, man. I don't know if you know for a lot of people from LA, but I, that was something new for me, man. I didn't know that coming from where I came from, Merced. Uh, Merced, you, you move out, you know, you're 18, you're out of there. In LA, man, you got 30, 35 year old, 38 year olds living at home. It's wild. Man, the rent is yeah. high in LA. Right. It is. <laughs> there was a whole uh, uh, governor campaign ship about that. <laughs> man, the, the rent is high. Oh, so let, let's let's jump back to sports real quick because we really appreciate your time. We don't want to keep you too long. So what was your feeling of officiating when you play sports? You guys will be happy to, to know this. My dad, he complains about this all the time. I would always give the ball to the official. I would not throw it up and spike it or do none of that nonsense. I would give it to you guys because I know you guys are doing your job. I, I, I was a... I don't have a problem with authority, man. So, like, on the field, <laughs> on the field I feel like you guys are the authority. Like, you know I mean? like, I was good. Like, yeah. We'll say at least for three hours. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. But, but, you guys, but like, like I said, I see nowadays, like, you guys probably, I'm sure you saw it because I saw it, but that high school player that came and tried to oh, bowl yeah. the ref. Oh yeah. oh yeah, he didn't try. He did. No, he, uh, yeah, he came came across of him like hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's as an official, sometimes you got to read the room. And if you hear somebody go rah rah, and you stand on the sideline, they probably mad at you. <laughs> so I brace myself. Yeah. <laughs> Stay ready. You ain't got to get ready. You know what I'm Just like the players, keep your head on the swivel. Keep your head on the swivel. <laughs> <laughs> but. I think too, it's like you said, you handed me the ball. If you're handing me the ball and another one of your players isn't, I will just let point, point to him to let you know, like, hey man, talk to your boy. Cause you see, he handed me the ball and you just throwing it down. Like, you just this is not efficient. So it's like how we how you gotta talk to the players. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys do you guys find you you um doing any favoritism? Like if if somebody is giving you a lot of or problem? No, because we're looking at the fouls. It ain't about how they acting. Yeah, bigger the foul is the foul. The bigger referee says that, but some of the petty ones don't. So if someone, <laughs> a, if, so, if someone, if say number ninety eight is is just a pain, and he does something that you know is like probably borderline, you know what? You get he it? getting it. Yeah. He getting it. But you know, just I would say this. I would say this. Sport, sport by sport is different, right? When when I referee basketball, if there was a player that was pushing that line in basketball, you could, 
you know, call that file on that player to kind of get that player in line. Mm. It's not like you weren't calling it both ways, but it's like if you had a player that was just pushing ahead in basketball, it's kind of easier to get on that player. Where in football, each file, each, (laughs) but even if it's not a 15 yard file, each file in football really makes a big difference compared to basketball. Basketball, there's probably 25, 40 files per game, period. To where with football, right? With football, you know, it's, you either an extended possession or you're not. So it's it's not an opportunity to even think about that. And the higher levels you go up, the more disrespect and the more yelling you're going to get from coaches, players, and so on. And you just got to be a grown man and just take it. You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Now, they can't personally disrespect you and all, but – I mean, it's just part of the game. It's it's this human nature of the game. But sport by sport, I never call baseball games, but I can only imagine if you calling balls and strikes and that pitcher is, <laughs> you know, you got a lot of influence on how big that plate is at a, a matter of time or how high, where somebody knees start or did they bend down too low. Um, but it's in order to make it in this game, you can't be biased at all because it's going to jump out so fast. It's you're you're not going anywhere. Yeah. No, that it reminds me of being a, uh, in a weird way, being a teacher. Like as a teacher, you've got these kids, some of them are some are not. And you're the ones giving them grades. It's like there's certain subjects like math. You probably can't. can't yeah. One plus it. one equals two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, if, do? you know, if it's an English, let's say, you know, hey, you, your own bias might come into come into play. Has that anyone ever uh, urinated on your field? Yes, actually. I have. I, I have not seen that. Not, I, not I, any game that I've seen. No. Actually, I, I do remember uh, a team getting in a huddle and somebody whizzing a little bit. But yeah, you just yeah. move on. <laughs> was that one of the we, teams uh, you played on, Monty? Was that you? It was not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but okay. it was a team I played on. Yeah. <laughs> See. If I was an umpire, I would try to find that spot to put the ball in just to prove it. <laughs> Here you go. Remember where that was. So when they on next time on the field, that ball will be extra wet and the quarterback will just have to just deal with it. <laughs> All right, Brandon. So now we got a, a, a little spot in the show where uh-huh. we uh, have a little thing. It's called Under Review. Uh, brought to you by a sponsor, Windmill X. You can get all your cryptocurrency needs on the Unsanctioned. Coast. Unsanctioned. 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 Unofficial sponsor. sponsor. Uh, <laughs> go to Windmill X, check out, get a little cryptocurrency and uh, a little bit of unofficial lounge gear. So we got a little uh, game. It's called Under Review. I'm going to ask you three questions. Just think off the top of your head. Here we go. All right, Brandon. Where has writing allowed you to travel that you would have never went to had it not been for your writing career? Dubai. What? Oh. <laughs> That's the best answer yet. <laughs> you went to the salty sands of Dubai. You went. Man. Let me let me tell you. So you guys will, uh, you guys are like this. This is not, this is where my concussions uh, came into play once again. So the the I got a, a job writing for uh, Emirates Airlines, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you got to go see where they're going. Yeah. 
So we, so they flew me out and they asked me, they said, uh, you know, when do you want to come out? And I said, oh, I want to come out, you know, a day early or whatever, so I can do some sightseeing or whatever. I didn't take into consideration that it's like a six day on the plane. Time difference. Right. So when I get there, it's really the next day. And I got to, I got to do my meetings and pitch my stuff. And then I get on a plane and I leave. Oh, oh. So everyone, up, bro. I need a week early anytime you're going to Dubai. You got to make sure you hold put up, that in bro. the contract. I need a week. Did you really go to Stanford? Yeah. Gotta, hold up. Where your transcript at? Like, hold up, bro. <laughs> Marcel JC, huh? I, I play football. Don't forget. <laughs> they may have, they may have uh, cooked the books a little. I don't know. Yeah. All right, Brandon. Wow. Wow. All right, Brandon. Oh, yeah. What career accomplishment has made you the most proud? The most proud. I don't know. The corny answer would be one of my old students ended up becoming a, a police sheriff. So that was that, really That's important. nothing corny about that. Yeah. That's that's inspirational. It wasn't a chick that you urinated, right? <laughs> <laughs> they just promoted her straight up. <laughs> they, gave, they gave her her badge and a Depends undergarment. That was. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, what's that? Uh, the astronaut that drove uh, thirty uh, across country yeah, to the, get the that crazy dude? astronaut lady. The crazy yeah. astronaut oh, yeah. lady. They All don't right. hand us diapers at NASA. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Brandon. As a fan of football, what do you what do you think of when you hear the R say the previous play is under review? I think it's time to go make a three course meal. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta take a little time. Uh. Take some time. <laughs> Awesome. Perfect answer. See, that's why you should have just went ahead and asked because as a fan, that's what people think of. Like, oh, what they doing now? Man. Well, we appreciate your time here, Brandon. Uh, one, I, I can't believe how uh, the kismet of the world brings everybody together. Um, met your dad through uh, your, your sister, Courtney, and your dad happened to know one of the other Kentucky legends. Your dad's a Kentucky legend. Uh, just awesome, awesome, and and appreciate your time, and and can't wait for the the great things and the great shows to to watch, and hopefully you can help us out with a little writing on this show. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, he ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah, we ain't got no Tyler Perry money. <laughs> yeah, we need we need some pro bono. We need some pro bono. we're good. Yeah, yeah, just just. Uh, Thank you for your time. Can't can't believe we had the opportunity to talk to you. No, Everybody, I got a. I it was got one. Uh oh, one one last one. Yeah. I got some more. I have another question. So, do you have a, a Kentucky your favorite Kentucky Derby story? I never went to the Kentucky Derby. No. What? No. <laughs> no. My, dad, my dad. He took me to the horse track out or the dog track out there, Keeneland, and uh, we go uh, out back and watch watch football games, but. We never, we never. Hey, Br Brandon, you just lost about 10 cool points. <laughs> How you? Exactly. I don't think I had 10. Man. I hey, I had hey, Brandon, we keep talking to people to Kentucky only. Hopefully, we can get an invite to the Kentucky Derby. The Derby. 
First, it would have been a short interview. <laughs> it, it, it changes everything now. It, it you know what, what will be a good second is a tour through all the um, breweries of whiskey in Kentucky. I would take that too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll see. I'll, I'll talk. I, I might only make one of them though. <laughs> I need to sit I down think somewhere. They, I don't think they have a gentleman Jack <laughs> Distillery just for you, Monty. That man, I, I'll, I'll taste whatever they got. Man, <laughs> Brandon. I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, Everyone. thank you so much. We had we had a great time. Hopefully you had a great time, and uh, hopefully we get to do this again. Brandon yeah, Davis, too, everyone. Thank you, sir. Hi, boys.